We all agree and say, Amen and Amen. Amen and Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, don't you just love the presence of God? I just, God is amazing, people. The God that we serve is amazing. You know, sometimes you can be so religionized. <laughs> TM. Sometimes you can become so religion, I don't know, just religionized. Right? That we can come to church with no expectation. We can go through the motions with no expectation. You know, I come from a Catholic background and if you take me to that Catholic church now, I still know when to bow. I still know what to say. I still know how to make the sign of the cross. I still know how to repeat some of the stuff that they say you must say when you must say it. What is it? It was a form that we were given with no power. But that's not the God that we serve. The thing is so heavy on me this morning. It's like our expectation has to break the limitations that is upon our thinking in the season. God is ready to do something miraculous. I'm telling you. But we have to get up. We have to break that thing of our lives in the season. How many of you in this place? Father, I pray that you just help me to minister this morning. I sense your presence here, Lord. I just want to do what you want me to do. Lead and guide me. In Jesus' name. How many sitting in this place? And don't put up your hand. I know my hand will go up. But just with between you and you know, how many of you are really experiencing what you know, even with the limit? limited information or revelation that you might have concerning God in His kingdom. Because everybody's at different levels, right? How many of you are really sitting or experiencing what you know you should be experiencing just by the little that we know about God? That thing should put an anger on the inside of you. There should be a deep dissatisfaction with the level that we're living at. Because it's not God's design. God's love for you and me is so intense. But we limit that love. We limit it. Not him. We limit it in our pursuit, in our understanding. We limit the love of God being made manifest in our lives. Those who have children, could you imagine 
your child not allowing you to love them. Could you even imagine your child steering away from you and not wanting to be by you? And yet you've got everything that you want to give to them. How many of us stay so caught up in our thinking, in our minds, bound to a system that's not willing to give you anything and not ready to break free? It's a real season where we've just got to let go man, and just allow God to be God. Amen. I'm going to try to minister this morning and then see what the Lord does. <sighs> I know Apostle's coming with a fresh word. He's been sharing some stuff and I know that God's still going to be doing some more stuff in Kenya. So he's mentioned some stuff to me. Um, but as I was praying, I just feel that I need to, we need to seal off the season of the covenant. Amen. Um, and like I, I think I said that when I preached, I said, when God gives a word, you see, apostle doesn't have a preaching calendar where he says, okay, I'm going to teach them systematically theology. He asked God, what is the word, the now word for the season that we as a church are in? So the Bible says the word of God will establish you. And then it says the word of the prophet will cause you to prosper. So what does that mean? That means as you dig into the word of God and study the word of God for yourself, it will establish you. It will give you a firm foundation. It will settle you. It will give you peace. It will anchor your life. And then when the prophet releases the word, it's the rhema for your season. So if you look at when Jesus was walking on the water, amen, when they were all sitting in the boat, remember that in scripture? It says Jesus was walking in the water and Jesus is the word. So the word was walking on the water. And Peter approaches the word. And the word gives him a rhema. He says, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, come. He never stepped out on the water. Because scientifically, water does not have the density to uphold a human vessel. He stepped out on the rhema. And the rhema gave him dominion over the matter. So when God's releasing a word from the pulpit, and we're dealing with something called the covenant, you need to realize that's the, the word that's going to make you walk above your circumstances in the season. So as we wrap up covenant this morning, you need to realize and recognize. You know, when apostle started ministering on covenant, let me just share with you personally. When he started speaking about covenant, the last time I studied covenant, studied, studied covenant, must have been in Bible school, I think. And I was only one year in Bible school, don't judge me. And I went, I went, and I think there were some tapes, tapes, cassettes, TDKs, 
that uh, apostle had from his Bible school days that I studied. But when he released the word, I was like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Is, this is now obviously the word that you're speaking for the season that we're in. Then I went to take the notes that he gave and I went to go study. Why? Because the word he's releasing is the word for my victory. It's the way God works. Yes, we all have a relationship with God. Fine, no issue with that. But don't get into that space. God gives you the fivefold for your victory. Are you with me? It's the gifts that are given to you. So when God calls a gift and establishes a gift and releases the prophetic, it's for your victory. So if you don't engage the word, how are you going to walk on that water? How are you going to overcome in that season? And that's what I really feel this morning. Is that we as a church, it's the season that God has ordained, hear me, that He's going to show Himself faithful and true to the covenant that He has with us. I'm telling you. But I feel inside of me, even as we were, as we were worshiping this morning, it's almost like God is saying, like, like, you know, like a father saying to a child, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. You know, it's the worst thing. I'm trying to think of an example now where I've told my son something and he didn't want to believe me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you the truth, man. It even irritates me. I'm like, why would you question? Because I know I've teased him a lot. So anyway. So sometimes they'll con con go and confirm my word out of the mouth of two or three witnesses and go and chat to their mother and say, Mom, is there telling the truth? Because they know I tease them a lot. But sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm telling you the truth, man. Just believe me. I feel like God is sitting like that to this church. It's like, just believe me. Do you really think God's going to let you fall and fail? Do you really think the God who has cut this covenant, hear me, the covenant, when he cuts the covenant, the covenant puts in place a level of trust that super, supersedes a contract. The reason why he, gave, he didn't need to give us a covenant, hear me. He needs to come into agreement with man and all that kind of stuff. But the covenant, the reason why he cut covenant was not for himself, was for you. <laughs> it's so that we can put our trust in something and say, God, you promised. You said. You know, everything that was created and designed, and I'm jumping all around in my sermon, but it's fine. Everything that was created and designed, there's not nothing that you determined for it to be so in the Word of God. Why am I saying that? When God created the heavens and the earth, right? He created everything. He put everything in its place. Are you with me? He created the stars, the moon, the solar system. He puts the earth in its place. He puts uh, the water one side. He puts the, 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 the earth, the, the, the land one side. Creates the birds, creates everything. He puts everything in divine order in Genesis chapter 1. Are you with me? Then he creates man in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. In his image and in his likeness. The perfect man. Made in the image of God himself. With the power and potential of God locked up on the inside of that being to be able to produce what God can produce in the earth. Then he creates the place called Eden. In Eden, it seeks of a place of voluptuous living. It says it's a place that lacked nothing. Hear me. It even speaks of the precious stones and the gold that was in that place. How did they know that there was gold? There was no mining taking place. Everything was on the surface. Think about it. Everything. 
Think about it. In heaven, the, 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 the streets are paved with... Okay, you're fighting for gold here, there, you drive, and you know what I'm saying. But everything was on the surface. What does it mean? The rich, the precious, the abundance was nowhere in a position that man had to toil to get to it. It was freely accessible to him at all times. Perfect place. In relationship with God, lacking nothing, missing nothing, walking with God in the cool of the day. Operating in the power of God that is upon his life. And I shared with you the last time we said, when Jesus, when God says, name the animals, it wasn't even a thing of just put a title on. He actually called forth the essence of the lion. Can you imagine what power you must have? <laughs> he was bound by nothing. This is the man God creates. This is in God's mind. Hear me. This is the original intention of God. When you look at Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the second Adam. Oh, sorry, the last Adam. He says he's the last Adam. That means if you look at Jesus and you look at Adam, you'll see how they were functioning. That's why Jesus could curse a fig tree. And 24 hours later, it never just died its fruit. It died at the roots because he had dominion over. When you see Jesus walking on the water, he had dominion over matter. You see Jesus in the book of Acts, he comes through the walls. He just appears in the room. <laughs> he had dominion over space. Jesus takes the water and turns the water into. Why? He has dominion over time. He never planted a seed and planted a vineyard. Then it wait a couple of years for that vineyard to bear fruit. Then take the grapes trample the grapes and then put it into its whatever and then go through a fermentation process in order for it to become the best wine not even just you know I almost went through the show. not even just you understand what I'm saying but the best wine I don't want to show my old man in Jesus name I bind you devil get away are you with me not just it says the top top quality wine this guy's like how you bring me the best wine now so imagine how many years that 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 wine would have had to sit and ferment in order for it to hold that kind of value he bypasses time completely now if he's the last adam think about how the first adam operated he had dominion over space dominion over time and dominion over matter he could have walked wherever he wanted to walk if adam wanted to go to the states he just walk on the water you know what i'm saying or i can just appear there's a there's a preacher that uh, uh bill winston shared this test this testimony once with this guy he was from from uh where was he from from the states i think this is so paraphrase i could be saying some stuff wrong but the essence of the message is right I know it was quick, but you can listen to me and I'm going to get it to you now. Okay. So, anyway, this guy is standing there. God says to him, go to India. He's like, okay, I'll go. He says, pack your bags. He says, okay, I'll pack my bags. He says, okay, but now Lord, where's the money? He says, go to the airport and go to India. He's like, okay. He's a, he's, but he's a preacher. He's obedient. He goes. He goes in the airport. He's standing in the line. And as the line is getting shorter for him to buy the ticket, he's like, okay, Jesus, now's a good time. You know what I'm saying? Now's a good time. And he's one person from the front, and he takes his luggage, and he goes to the bathroom. And he's like, God, how can you do this to me? 
I've packed my stuff. I'm ready. I know, you know what I'm saying? God says, I told you, go to India. He's like, yeah, I know you said so, but where's the provision? He says, I told you, go to India. He says, God. But I'm standing. He says, get out of the bathroom and go to India. He walks out to the bathroom and finds himself in the Indian terminal. I bind that unbelief. In India, what is it? God gave him dominion over space. You think it's not true? Go read in the book of Acts when Philip went to go and baptize the, the eunuch. The Bible says he ran next to the thing, got the guy, shared the gospel, baptized him, and it says immediately he was back in Samaria. Dominion over space. So when you're thinking of the creation and what God did with this man, I want you to understand the divine creation that man was in the beginning. This was no ordinary thing. This was something supernatural. That's why when they tell me you come from a monkey, I can't. Can I just say something to those? Evolution is not proven. Can I tell you something? It's impossible to prove. It violates the very laws of science. Because there's no species that has jumped completely from one to the other. They can't do it. And science, if something is scientific fact, let me tell you something. This is just on the side. This is a side, side note, side, right in your Bible, side note. If something can be, can be reproduced, if you can take a formula and reproduce the formula and, put, and produce the same result, then it is scientific fact. They cannot reproduce evolution. It's impossible. The Big Bang Theory that they're all running around with. Do you know that science? Who's, who, okay. We all should have some sort of mathematical understanding from our academic years. Not plus not equals how much? Not times not equals how much? That scientific mathematical formula. They're saying when the Big Bang happened that nothing plus nothing equals something. It violates their very common theory of their formulas that they've created. So when you want to come speak about evolution, then you're speaking to the wrong person. There is no scientific proof. They tell you it's proof. And people believe it as proof. People even live their lives according to it. Yet there's no scientific fallible proof to say that evolution is possible. Side note. Are you with me? They want to say people come from a monkey, then maybe they must act like they act like they act. You understand what I'm saying? But when you're dealing with man, you're dealing with the divine being that God created in his image and his likeness. And I want you to understand, can you imagine how he must have lived? You know, somebody asked one preacher, he said, so what would they do if, 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 he, had, if he had to, you know, have dominion over the earth? Say, say the never came, right? Dominion over the earth, the kingdom of What would he do? preacher said most probably go to other planets because the blessing can change an atmosphere the gravity it can change everything about a place and bring it into a state of living that's how powerful this being is why because God created everything we make it like it's such a huge thing now but it's because the enemies work over time to take away your thought of a divine life So God creates this everything, a full system, puts man in his place, puts everything in perfect place. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. You know, Adam didn't even know broke. He didn't even have a word for broke. He didn't even have a word for sick. It was not a part of his reality. Jesus did what he did in a fallen state. In an earth that was cursed. 
And he never had that. So imagine how he was functioning. Now here's the question. Whose idea was it? Whose idea was it? Did man come up with that idea? It was God. Here's the thing. Many people are trusting God for certain stuff, making it like it's, like because I want my healing. <laughs> it's His design for you to be healed. <laughs> you pressing in for the breakthrough. It's God's design for you to be in breakthrough. It's His motivation. Greater than what you could ever want to be healed. Does He want that healing for you? He proved it by His Son on the cross. He proved it. Are you hearing me? Why am I saying this to you? Because you've got to take the fight out of possessing what God has got for you in your mind. Your purpose, you, you know so many people like, you know, Pastor, I just want to know what's my purpose, what's my destiny. More than you wanting to know and fulfill it, does God want you to know it and fulfill it for you? More than you could ever desire. Hear me, greater than your desire. This is you, you, you are fathers, you are natural parents, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more me? Why? What's he saying? He's saying this whole design the whole kingdom of God, heaven, and how heaven's going to impact your life. And you being the being that you are never came from you. It came from me. It was my design. So when you trust in God for your healing, there should be no thought in your thinking that God is withholding anything from you. Because you never came up with the system of healing, increase, Whatever. You never, you never designed it. He designed it. Why would somebody design it and then keep it away from you? It was done out of the perfect love of God. And I'm saying that this morning because we have to change our approach in dealing with God. Because many of us, and I'm at fault as well. Religion teaches you that. That there's distance. That I've got to do this thing to get right with God. That's why he gave his son. Hear me, he gave his son to take away all that nonsense. That there should be no thought in your mind to say that uh, there's a distance between There's no distance between you and God. You know, so I don't feel God in the season. That's you. <laughs> That's you. It's not him. His desire is relationship. His desire is to come and be in contact with you con- consistently. That's why he says, he says, he will, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and he will never leave you. God, you're never without God. Amen. Genesis 1 verse 26. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every cattle, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And here's the assignment and every living thing that moves upon the earth. He says, here's your assignment. I just want to say something. There was something by a very prominent pastor that was said this week. I'm not going to mention any names, but a lot of people will know. And he said something that really disturbed me a little bit. Because he said, God made male and female. And if he was there, he would have asked God, why didn't he make an other? Here's the thing. You only have an other because the world has fallen. In the perfect design of God, there was no issue. There was no issue because man knew exactly who he was. 
Are you with me? I'm not fighting with nobody. Hear me. God loves everybody. Sin is sin whether you stole something, whether you lied about something, or whether you're struggling with something mentally and making decisions based upon that mental condition. Are you with me? But you cannot say that God made some sort of mistake in creation. There's no way. So you couldn't have even thought to go back to that point in time because everything was created in perfection. I just want to put that straight. Because you know, sometimes when you're a prominent preacher or somebody has such a powerful voice, the little thing that you say can just take people off path, man. Amen. Anyway. So here God lays out this thing. He makes this man. I think I've, I've, I've dealt with that to the degree that I should have this morning. But I want us to just make two, two critical observations this morning. Number one, the first observation is that God gives authority of the earth to mankind. He gives it to man. He says, I'm God. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. But I give you the authority to rule over the earth. That means when God did that, he said, he was basically saying that I need you, permission from you to come into the earth. Are you with me? A similar explanation would be for those that have a lease agreement. Even though that person owns the house, the minute you sign the lease agreement, you've been given authority over that house. You don't own it, but you're given stewardship over it, right? They can't just rock up when they want to. They have to ask you. They have to ask you. So when God needed to get into the earth, he needed man's permission. But remember, in the perfect state, they were in perfect relationship. And there was a covenant that was between them. And the only condition of the covenant was that don't eat of the tree of the fruit. Or don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only condition. And what happens in covenant when you, when you violate the covenant? You? You? Here we go. She needs a chocolate. That's what happens in YOLO. <laughs> you die. Are you with me? You die. So what does God say? If you eat of it, you're going to? Because you're violating the covenant. And as long as Adam never violated the covenant, he was in divine relationship with God. Are you with me? And when they were in divine agreement, it means God was permanently on the scene. Are you with me this morning? Adam didn't know a life without his presence. But we know Adam made a bloopsie, right? So the first observation is what? It's the authorities given to mankind. And God now needs man's agreement with him in order for him to have access to the earth that he created. Amen. Number two, the six, second observation, God sets his system in place. So if you remember when the apostle was ministering, he said, for God so loved the world. It wasn't dealing with the people, but that word world in the Greek is cosmos. It means systems. When God made the earth, and the apostle even said, he said, he said that the earth is how many billion years old, right? But the world is not. The world started when Adam came into play and God gave him dominion, which is the kingdom. The kingdom system to rule and govern the earth. God says, I'm going to make this man, I'm going to give him authority. This everything is out of love, eh? God's empowering this man out of his love for him and out of his love for relationship with him. He's saying, I'm going to make this awesome being. I'm going to make this being that's going to be just like me. Can you imagine how excited God must have been? That's what the Bible says. When one soul gets saved, the whole of heaven rejoices. Why? Because one of them comes back into relationship with God and into the divine destiny that God has set out for them. So God must have been so excited. 
He makes this man, this being, and he gives him authority in relationship with this being. And then he sets the kingdom over the earth. The reason why you see what's happening in the Garden of Eden is because the system was governing the earth, which was the kingdom system. It wasn't anywhere else. We don't hear about it. His mandate was to take the Eden and make Eden the earth. To take the system of the kingdom and gain rulership. Dominion is rada. It means to gain, to rule over, to reign, to have kingdom, to, have, to, king, to be a king over a domain. Are you with me? To have king domain, kingdom. He says, I'm giving him this mandate to take the system that I've given this man and make this whole earth like heaven. That was his design. So God establishes a system and gives man authority. But Adam makes a bloopsie. Genesis chapter 3. Amen. He makes a mistake. And I've shared this before. Many people have issues with Adam. I'm glad he did it because I didn't want it to be me. At least now there's grace. You know what I'm saying? I can't violate it the way he, he violated heavy. Even so my left. You know what I'm saying? At least if I make a mistake, I can still go back and repent. You know what I mean? But I don't want to be that guy. I'm just saying. You know, I was, that God showed me long time. I was like, yeah, Lord, why did Adam? He says, what if it was you? I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> let, you, let you rather be the one. Anyway, so he violates the covenant and then he, he, he gets spiritual death, right? He violates the covenant and now through the violation of that covenant, he hands over the agreement. He gives legal authority to the enemy, to Satan, to establish his system. And Satan establishes that system over thousands of years. And when you come to where he's in the temptation with Jesus, go to Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. I just want to show you something. The devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I will give it to him if I wish. Go back to the one. He says, all those kingdoms, I'll give it to you. What kingdoms? What he built from the time when sin entered into the earth. He established this system. He says to Jesus, he says, what? I'll give it to you. Jesus knew that through his death, burial, and resurrection, he was going to take back the keys legally from Satan to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. Are you with me? So but what I want to show you is that the devil had a plan. He was working on something. He established, he took over, he built territories, he built stuff in accordance with his kingdom plan and purpose. Are you with me? But then what you find is running parallel to what he's doing is you're seeing God creating covenants with people. Noah, Abraham, uh, David, Moses. You find all those covenants. I'm not going to deal with it, but you've got the main two, which is the old and the new. The reason why I'm saying this to you is God finds a person that comes into agreement with him. And when the covenant is in place, there's a direct flow between God and this person. So one is the presence of God can come into the earth. And number two is the system of God can govern that person and wherever they go. That's why you see miracles in the Old Testament. That's why you see the miracles of provision, of healings, of people being raised from the dead. It came from where? It came from that person being in connection with God. That's the purpose of the covenant. When you're in connection and in covenant with God, the kingdom is allowed to be admitted administrated through your life that's why you cannot go to any place and accept whatever they're giving you that atmosphere must change that's why he says he says what he says don't don't say low year look for the kingdom where's the kingdom of god it's in you when i come into the place the atmosphere must change 
I don't care what anything demonic that's been taking place. It's got to change. Amen. So God cuts covenant and that's how he gets himself back into what he needs to do and to bring his system in play. That's why when Jesus comes and Jesus starts to minister, his gospel is not the gospel that we preach many times. We were taught about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He never spoke about himself. Go and check it. He hardly made reference to himself and who he was. Minimal. But what he spoke about was the kingdom. What is he saying? He's saying, guys, I'm coming to establish this system that's going to break that system. But this is the system. And when I cut covenant with my Father in heaven, the system will be forever accessible to any person that comes into this kingdom. You see, when you get born again, you enter into that covenant. Amen. It's a rebirth. It's a new you. The old creature has passed away. It says you become a new creature. Now because we only see the outside, we many times think it's just my a little bit of a, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like putting a teaspoon of sugar in a cup of coffee. You just change the flavor. No, it's no longer coffee. It's now Red Bull. No promotions or advertisements. If anything is made from this, you will pay this church in Jesus' name. But, but you get what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's a totally brand new thing. It's not the same. It's not a modified version. You didn't put up some rims and branches on. You understand what I'm saying? It's a completely new vehicle. A completely new engine that God puts inside of you. Why? Because it restores the divine in you. So let's deal with that this morning. The two observations were, Authority. And the second one was? Sorry? System. Here's another chocolate for something. The system and authority. Why am I saying this to you? Because when you understand that when you get born again, when God repositions you, the number one thing that you need to understand is your position. There's three things I want to share with you this morning and then we're going to end. Number one is your position. God shifts your position. You remember when Apostle shared about Mephibosheth and how he was Saul's son? Uh, Jonathan's son, sorry, and he was dropped and he was lame and stuff like that, whatever. And J David comes into power, but David has a, a covenant with Jonathan, his father. And David says, is there anyone in the house of Saul? The house of, of Jonathan or Saul, whatever. He says, yeah, he says, okay, bring him to me. And he thought he wanted to kill him, yet he was coming to restore him to his rightful position. Because Jonathan was a prince. Are you with me? He puts him at the table with himself. When you get born again, God restores your position. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, And He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That the, in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding nature of His grace. He says, He come to you sitting right now. As you're sitting in that seat, you're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's the duality you have. Right now, as you're sitting right here, if you're born again, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the position of authority that you hold. Why does the enemy continuously want to tell you that you're nothing? You're never going to make it. This is not you. Who do you think you are to come and say what you want to say? No, I am who I am because of who he made me to be.
And the reason why I'm saying this to you this morning, if you want to experience the benefits of the covenant, if you want to experience a supernatural in life, you've got to get up and change your positioning this morning. You've got to refuse to accept what the enemy wants to tell you. you hear me? He'll always tell you that you're never enough. Why do you think you can? Who do you think you are? You know, you're coming to God for your healing, but you never prayed for three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes to bring condemnation. You weren't even in church last week, but you want to ask God for your healing. No, I'm in covenant with Jehovah God. I'm in covenant. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He made me righteous. The Bible says, says, it says it's through the gift. Find that scripture for me, man. It's through the gift of righteousness. The gift of grace and the righteousness of God is something that you will rule and reign in life. It's in Corinthians somewhere. Please somebody find it for me. But it says you, you will stand in your kingship when you understand that you are the righteousness of God and you understand that He came by grace and not by what you did. That devil that's been hounding you, I'm telling you today it's over in Jesus' name. I'm telling you today it's over. Why? Because today you can stand. And it's not about you, hear me. It's got that. You didn't make it this way. God designed the system this way. You didn't say it must be so. God said it must be so. You see, so when even when, when an unbeliever comes and says, why do you think you can? I don't think I can. God says I can. It's got nothing to do with me because he cut the perfect covenant with his son, Jesus Christ. And the day I get born again, I step into the covenant and he makes me righteous. You've got to hold your position, church. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you something different. You see, when you got born again, you received the full life of God. The Bible calls it the Zoe life. Zoe means God kind of life. How many of us are living below the God kind of life right now? It should be a problem for us. And I'm not talking about us walking around now, you know, moping, duck big. My life is not. No, I'm saying to you that if God said it so, then it's his design and desire to bring you here. So if you're not here, then say, God, take me there. What do I need to know? What do I need to understand? You see, when something goes wrong for me or something's not working out the way that it must work out, I don't go to God. Uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Sometimes I do. Don't judge me. But I don't go to God all the time. Oh, Lord. The first thing I ask is, okay, Lord, what do I need to know? Where am I out here? Because clearly it's something by me. It can never be by him. In your new birth, He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Put up the scripture, 2 Peter. He's given you this new life. He's given you this life. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and to our Lord Jesus Christ. Next. As His divine power is given to us all things, not you given you. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Keep going. He says, by which you have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped corruption that's in the world through us. He says you have a divine nature. He's given everything to you. Why are we not walking in it? Now I know there's seasons that God will take you through to starve certain stuff out of your life. You understand? Because certain desires are not from Him. I don't want to deal with that this morning. But that's a process God will take you through. But He'll never drop you even in the process. That's why when they had them in the wilderness, not once did they go hungry, not once did they lack anything they had, everything they needed. It's just that God needed to process them in order to raise them up to take over what needed to come next. But they never lacked. They were never sick. Amen. 
So number one is your position. And you position yourself in the God kind of life. You position yourself correctly to say, no man, I'm above only and I'm never beneath. Sickness and disease is not my portion. You are far from me. Depression, hear me, depression is not your portion. It cannot be. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So number one is you must understand your position. Number two is you must possess the covenant. You must possess the covenant. You must study the covenant. You better be standing on the word. Are you with me? You better be studying the word. You must dig into the word. That's why the word of God is so powerful. That's why apostle gives his life to what? To the word. Because the word is the one thing that can change and transform you forever. But even though the covenant is there, if you don't step into it and approach it, and you, don't, and you don't find out how to walk in it, if you don't dig into the Word of God, if you don't make a commitment to grow in the Word of God, how are you going to know? Are you with me? It's like somebody, you know, you know how many people, and I actually wanted to do the study, but I didn't have the time. But there's so many people, there's actually companies that are dedicated to finding the will and estate of people that have not claimed it. There's so many people that have stopped due to them in this country alone. That have stuff due to them that they have no idea that there's a will and an estate that's actually due for them, but they don't know about it. Do you know that? You could be sitting as a billionaire because of your great great grandfather that passed away, but you don't even know you're living in absolute poverty. Why? Because you don't know. God says everything that you need to know about the, the last will and testament and the estate is in you. The Bible says you're a joint heir with Jesus. That's levels. You know what I'm saying? A joint heir with Jesus. So why do we not go to the estate and say, you know what, Lord, according to Isaiah 53 verse 5, in the last will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ that was fulfilled in the hearing of the court today, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Therefore, I reject any sickness, disease, infirmity, anything that touches my body that comes against what is due to me as my portion because of this covenant, and I reject you in Jesus' name. How many of us know the covenant? You have to know the covenant. You have to build your life on the covenant. That's why that song for me, I'm I'm still worshiping that song. I can't get off it in the season. God is my firm foundation. Why? Go to Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Now if you read the other one, it says a foolish man, he built his house on the sand, he did the yard, but he didn't do. Built his house and the same storm comes, he's just destroyed. But those who are built on the kingdom are not. Here's the thing, the church has raised great yearders. The church has raised great years, but not many doers. You see, we've associated the word obedience with the law. And that's incorrect. Because faith in all its simplicity is obedience. That's faith. Because when I believe something that God has said, and I act on what I believe, I'm acting in obedience to my belief system. And when I act in obedience to my belief system, that is faith. So we've made it a negative thing. Oh no, they just want to put you under the law there. No, 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 no. 
if whatever God says for you to do, you do it. Because you know what's coming. Are you understanding me? Because it's His design, it's His desire. So when God gives you instruction, it's what? It's for you to build your house on the solid rock and firm foundation that is Christ and Christ alone. Because I'm telling you now, it's coming. The storms are there, but we will not fall. We will not fall. James chapter 2 verse 17 to 20 says, Thus also by faith itself, if faith does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, demons know that there's God. They believe that there's God. They believe that there's one God, but they don't perform the will of God. So just knowing is not enough. We've got to step out in faith, family. You've got to break away from that fear that the enemy is trying to keep you bound in. When you act upon the principles of God, that's what the apostle says many times. He says, many have switched kingdoms, but they have not switched systems. That means you're born again, but you're still depending upon the world to do for you. And it will never. Because the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So everything in that system is designed to wipe you out. Let me tell you something now. Concerning your money, try to save from now to the end of your days and see how much money you end up with. I'm not saying you mustn't say, please don't. That pastor said, savings is from the devil. No. You must use <laughs> You use wisdom concerning your finances. But when you're looking for increase, what system do you apply? You can only work so many hours. Your gift can only take you so far. But when you're in the kingdom and apply the principles of the kingdom, then these things must be added. You see now right there already in our thinking, why do you struggle to make the transition? Why do people struggle to tithe? Tithe is like the basics. And you know a tithe, let me just say, a tithe is a tenth of every form of sense that comes into your pocket. Every form of increase, 10% of that goes to God. Yeah. Amen. 10% goes to God. That's a tithe. Whatever you sow is over and above your tithe. Because your tithe has a specific purpose. And I'm going to share it with you when you do the tithe and offering today. It has a specific purpose. But you know why people can't tithe? Because they don't trust God. It's not even a money thing. It's a trust issue. You know, I sat in the service one day. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord said, you pay for that. Said, okay, I'm going to pay for it. Tell my wife, babe, we're paying for this thing. Praise Jesus. And right after that, I'm in service. I get that fear. I'm a Jesus. And you know, I said, I said, Lord, I said, I want this thing to go away, man. When I give, I don't want to feel this thing. He said, it comes with time, son. You just keep doing what I tell you to do. Eventually, you won't even think like that anymore. But I'm busy renewing your mind concerning the system of increase. That's why Pastor said somebody were tired and they even felt their throat get thick. Think about it. It's from the pit of what is it? It's, real, it's, it's stress and fear. Where's it going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? How's it going to happen? How's it going to work? How are you going to get there? It's not my problem. You with me? <laughs> Lord, in your covenant, you say, If I sow, it shall be given unto me. Press down. 
shaken together and running over. Did I make it so? No, 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 no. That's his design. It's his plan and his way. Oh, no, you pastors just want money. You don't have enough money to do what we need to do. We need to take over this world. And then lastly, we must pursue. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He has a revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed happening for Chokramidia. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that, on this, that you are beaten on this rock, I'll build my church. Now stay here. Stay on the scripture. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He says, I'll build my church, a governmental institution, the ecclesia, with an apostolic mandate to take over the world. Who is attacking who in the scripture? Kalita must have a lot of chocolates today. We're not asking you anymore. Who is attacking who in the scripture? Very quiet. Who's attacking who? The church is attacking the enemy. How many people are having the devil attack them? It's a wrong position. It's a very wrong position. Because remember when I spoke about the systems, the enemy built boundaries and borders over territories and put gates, gates or access, right? He put gates to stop people from coming in or going out. Understand me? So when the enemy has a gate, it's a point of access. He says, I will build my church. And when my church goes into any industry, any sphere of influence, that gate that the enemy set up for thousands of years will not be able to hold up against you. So stop running from the devil today. And say, I'm coming for you. Say, I'm coming for you. You held my family in bondage. I'm coming for you. You've held my money long enough. I'm coming for you. You messed with the church of Jesus Christ. We're coming for you. We've positioned ourselves wrong. That's why we stay in a place where we don't experience the power of God like we should. Worship team. We experience, we're doing it wrong, hear me. And, and I get it, I get the seasons of development. I get the seasons where God is processing you. But many times when you read the miracles and the work that Jesus did, how many times do you position yourself as the one receiving the miracle instead of the one performing the miracle? Because your right position is not that you be the one, hear me? Not that you be the one to touch the hem of His garment, but that people come and touch the hem of your garment. That's the position of the church. We are the body. Who wears the garment? Who wears the garment? Not the head. The body. As long as you attach to the head, the body has power to break every shackle and chain. I'm giving the devil notice today. Hear me, devil. Wherever you've been holding up people in bondage, where there's been a fight, where there's been fear on our people's lives. I break it today. Where people need to step out in faith. Where people need to transition into the kingdom. I break it today in the blood of Jesus Christ. You gotta get angry this morning, church. 
You see the place, the purpose, the destiny, the, 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 the field that God has assigned to you, whether it's in the seven, whatever the seven mountains, let me tell you something now. He's not fighting you, you fighting Him. We're coming in here and we're taking over. I don't care what you have to say. Today, we're throwing a bloodline in the sand. And we're saying that we're giving you notice, devil. Whatever you've been holding on to, whatever you've been binding us with, we're breaking it today. In Jesus' name. Everything that's out of alignment in your life now. Anything, anything that's out of alignment in your life. Today, you take responsibility. You say, this thing is mine. I own it and I'm breaking it in Jesus' name. The devil has no power over me. He does not have the power. Put that scripture in the amplified quickly. You got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. In the amplified, come, come, come. He says, No, no, no. You must go back to 18. He says, Listen here. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the power of furniture, says, shall not overpower it listen or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it it cannot overpower you satan has no power over you he only has the power you give him he has no power over you he has no right to touch your life to touch your mind to touch your children to touch your money he has no right in this covenant we overcome in this covenant we are victorious in this covenant we break through in this covenant we free in this covenant we have the soundness of mind in this covenant we are wealthy in this covenant we are healthy it's time to break this thing this morning break it be purposeful to break it you've been sitting under something long enough you've been tolerating that devil long enough Kick that thing to the curb this morning, man. Kick it out of your environment and say, today, I'm giving you notice, but today, I'm taking over. We are the advancing kingdom, not the kingdom of darkness. I don't care what it looks like out there. You see, they, they're using media to show how much they gain. They're not gaining no crown. As long as the church of Jesus Christ is in the earth, we're taking crown, baby. got to get to a place I'm done you got to get to a place where you refuse to accept anything that is outside of alignment with this covenant that's why you must know the covenant people you must know the covenant you must apply the covenant by faith you see because when the enemy wants to mess with my stuff and I got my tithe in the ground brother the word says that he rebukes the devourer for my sake you cannot touch my stuff and the Bible says it's a thief because you better pay back sevenfold. Start documenting what is taken from your life and multiply by seven. It's not you being greedy. It's you appropriating the covenant. You see, you walking with an expectation for a press down, shake it together and running over. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with the covenant. For you to walk in divine healing, hear me church. For you to walk in divine healing, it's got nothing to do with your desires or anything like that. It's God's design, God's desire. I am the healed of the Lord. I walk in divine prosperity. I walk in divine healing. And no devil can touch my life.